Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Go Be Great with Michael Contento. I am the aforementioned host, Michael Contento, and I'm back with a week three recap of the NFL, as well as a late season review of the MLB, specifically having to do with the Mets and the Yankees, as it is a pretty exciting time here in New York. The Mets are one and a half games above the Braves in the NL East, with eight games to play for the Mets, nine games to play for the Braves, uh, three of which will take place in Atlanta on Friday, starting on Friday, excuse me. So a lot of excitement in Queens for the Mets, a lot of excitement in the Bronx for the Yankees as Aaron Judge has tied Babe Ruth's record for 60 home runs and is now chasing the Yankee leader, Roger Maris, with 61, as well as the American League, as all of the other totals from Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and Barry Bonds happened in the National League. Um, the Giants are 2-0, and and the Jets are 1-2. and Giants play tonight, so sorry to my Giants fans. I think out of the four teams, I'll probably have the least to say about you guys, especially uh, a lot of you know what will be said about the Giants will be based on what happens tonight, and I will not. I will be watching, but it'll be coming out either around that time or tomorrow morning, so I apologize for not having that covered. Um, so, like I said, most of this episode is going to deal with those four teams. Um, there's going to be a little bit of a full NFL review. Um, I have a couple of, you know, things I want to talk about that happened in some games on Sunday. I also want to just kind of review what I had in terms of my baseball predictions at the beginning of the year. Um, but that's going to be pretty quick. I am going to be making some picks, which have not done since my days with the Hardo boys. It should be a pretty good weekend as a couple of the Hardo boys, as well as just in general, some of my sacred heart friends will be playing a two day golf outing set up by our social chair at what a hardo Joey D Simone, my cousin. So shout out to the boys and shout out to Hardo Sports. As always, Go Be Great is presented to you by Hardo Sports. And uh, without further ado, I know I did just mention all four of those New York teams to the football teams to baseball teams, but I want to start out with the big news over the weekend, which is the announcement of the halftime show at Super Bowl. 57 that sounds so crazy to say out loud um rihanna so rihanna is the halftime performance i cannot be more excited about this folks um over the weekend there was a lot of speculation on twitter and instagram as to when uh this was going to be announced because they had a lot of different speculations that it was going to be Taylor Swift. Um, and honestly, for as good as Taylor is, and this is no disrespect to her, can we not all agree that this has a chance to be the all-time halftime performance? I mean, last year we had a super awesome performance from Dr. Dre, Eminem, 50 Cent was in there. You had a couple songs from Kendrick Lamar. Um, and just in terms of the production of that, 
I could not, you know, they couldn't have done a better job. They got nominated for five Emmys. They won three. So Rock Nation clearly doing a great job with taking care of the Super Bowl halftime shows the last couple of years. Um, and if you kind of look through like some of these solo artists that have done it in the last 10 years or so, these performers, which some of them have included Beyonce, Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga, uh, JT got one in 2018. Um, who could forget Shakira and J-Lo shutting down the world? You know, one of the last big events before the coronavirus pandemic took over the entire world was the halftime show at, I guess, the Super Bowl 54. They were awesome. They also brought out Bad Bunny, J Balvin. Um, so overall, there has been a couple of pretty awesome performances. But Rihanna, I, they have, like I was mentioning with the solo artists, they've gotten on average like seven, eight songs. I was going through a couple of like Rihanna playlists. Obviously, throughout my life, she has to be either one or two as top pop stars alive. Um, there's so many ways she can go with, you know, what song she chooses and what guests she de decides to bring out. Obviously, a couple of easy ones would be uh, Calvin Harris, um, Jay-Z, as well as, um, I was going to say Drake, but I don't think there's a potential Drake is going to come out. I just think, given the fact that Rihanna has now started a family with ASAP Rocky, the chances that we see work too good, what's my name, are very small. I think that would be one of the best performances of all time if that happened especially for kids in my generation who grew up on these people's music. Um, I just wanted to start off with a fun little note on Rihanna. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm absolutely juiced up about this one. When it was announced over the weekend on Friday that it was, uh, you know, Bleacher Report was running with rumors from Twitter that it was going to be Taylor and because it used to be sponsored by Pepsi and Taylor sponsored by Coke. And now the halftime show isn't sponsored by Pepsi anymore, that this would be a opportunity for Taylor to, to perform. But I'm not going to say I haven't ever seen Taylor Swift perform. I mean, I've never been to a concert, but obviously in the age of social media, you've seen plenty of concerts, whether they just be small snippets or sometimes you know, whole entire concerts can get on YouTube or TikTok now or Twitter, whatever it may be. And you've seen this lately with Harry Styles at Madison Square Garden. Um, there's no way you could tell me that Taylor Swift as a performer with her type of music is going to be better than Rihanna, either number one or number two pop star in your entire life. So I'm excited about her. And so in that one fun way of covering the NFL. Now I will get into a bunch of Jets football. So if you want to skip through this, go ahead. But I just need a couple of minutes of your time to just kind of get some stuff out. Um, listen, the Jets are one and two, kind of looking at their schedule in the beginning of the year. I'm not going to lie, folks. I had them at nine and eight. And I also forgot to totally mention this. We have not talked in over two months. So 
first, my apologies. I know I said I was going to try to be more consistent. It never happens. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm, I'm going to try, but for me to tell you that next week, there's a pod coming out. Like, I'm just not going to be that asshole that keeps saying, Oh, I'm, it's coming. It's coming. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I am going to try, but I'm not going to say it out loud. I'm going to keep it all between, you know, me and my own thoughts and just trying to be more consistent with this and really just with things in life. So there's going to be a lot of like, in terms of the NFL, I'm just going to talk about week three, but in terms of the Jets, the Yankees and the Mets, I'm going to be covering multiple weeks of things that have crossed my mind that I've wanted to talk about. So if it is getting a little longer, I apologize. I'm going to try to keep it under 90 minutes. Um, So back to the Jets. The Jets, since I have talked to you last, have had a preseason Zach Wilson injury. They have went one and two in the regular season. Robert Sala has made headlines by saying that he's keeping receipts on people who are negative about the Jets in the media, which I didn't think was a great move, but nonetheless. Uh, So we've seen three games of Joe Flacco in 2022. He's not good. I, I, the Jets should be 0-3. Let's just say it how it is. You know, they had that awesome win week two, which was my birthday. It was pretty cool. Got to see the game on TV with my cousin and my brother in the bar, which was pretty awesome. A lot of Jets fans over here in New Jersey, obviously, with the stadium being 10 miles down the road. Um, so it was a great atmosphere there. The Jets in uh, – excuse me. NFL teams in the situation that the Jets had, which was down by 13 or more and under two minutes, had lost 2,220 some odd times in a row. 21 years was the last time that somebody had won that game. So basically my entire life as I turned 23 last Sunday. So happy birthday to me. Um, That is just absolutely absurd to me that one that happened uh you know the jets needed while they were down 13 first they had the ball back then they had an uncovered 66 yard touchdown to Corey davis um excuse me i forgot the biggest part of it uh we had the ball down seven we dropped it on third down garrett wilson our first round pick dropped the ball then The Browns went down the field, and instead of Nick Chubb going down, which this happened, I believe, last year too, where Chubb should have went down, he scored, and then the Browns lost. Um, He scores. Kicker misses the extra point. We have a two-play drive where Davis goes 66 yards uncovered. Braden Mann gets the onside kick. The rest is history. The Jets win by one point after they almost gave up the game-winning field goal anyway. But nonetheless. All this to say, the Jets should be 0-3. Joe Flacco sucks. Let's just be real. A lot of his stats have come when the game is out of reach. He has been strip-sacked multiple times, and some of that's not his fault. Obviously, Mekhi Becton, which another injury that has happened since the last time I talked to you. Losing Mekhi Becton doesn't help. George Fant, I believe, he either was injured and got taken out of that game 
or just stinks now. I don't know, but at least three times coming off the left edge clean was Trey Hendrickson in this recent game against the Bengals. So I just think for especially former Jets players who are in the media, such as Bart Scott and Willie Colon, who were on SNY on the post game, saying that we should be starting Joe Flacco again next week if Zach Wilson's ready because Zach Wilson might get hurt against Pittsburgh because they, they're going to blitz us. I mean, it's football, gentlemen. You guys were football players. How are you going to sit up there and say, you know what? We've invested all this capital into this one player because it's true. We are investing all of the Jets' futures, the head coach, the general manager, some of the other players on the team, it's all because of this one player, Zach Wilson. And you're telling me that if he is ready to play, you would rather see Joe Cool, Joe Elite, Joe Flacco step back there with no movement in his 38-year-old body and just let him get dogged like that, one. Two, your best chance to win the football games are with Zach Wilson. Your offense is predicated on the fact that the pocket can move left to right that the quarterback can move left to right with the pocket or go outside of it and make some bootleg throws run the ball I mean how can you sit up there and say you know what let's just take the automatic loss because that's what it is an automatic loss with Joe Flacco unless they win in a scenario where it's happened once in 21 years of course how are you going to sit there and watch the last three games and tell yourself, yeah, Joe Flacco looked all right? I mean, yeah, he looked all right because he can throw the ball to open receivers. Because you know what? For the first time, the New York Jets have some talent on the team, on the offensive side of the ball. Let's just be real. Four legit young playmakers, as well as Corey Davis, who's getting open. I mean, Brees Hall has looked great. Mike Carter, since last season, has looked awesome. Um, Elijah Moore, as well the second-year player out of Ole Miss. Looks pretty good. And now Garrett Wilson, I mean, I didn't see – unfortunately, I've worked two out of the first three NFL Sundays. So I didn't see the first game as much. Obviously, not as much happened for Garrett Wilson. People were upset that he didn't play as much. Week two, he goes off. Absolutely off. We're looking at each other in the bar. Can't I can't believe it's like I can't believe we got one. Like we finally have a guy where it's like, oh my God, I want to turn my TV on Sunday to watch him play offense, to watch him be wide open. I mean, there were some plays where he was wide open. There was a goal line fade against the Browns. He cooked whoever it was. I'm not sure. I don't think it was Denzel Ward. He cooked them. Easy touchdown. He had the game-winning touchdown against the Browns after in the fourth quarter. He was getting open. He had 100 yards, his second game in the NFL, folks. How are you going to tell me in week four, as nuts as it sounds, this is the most excitement that the Jets have had with just one win in September, like in the last five years at least, maybe even the last 10 years. And you're telling me, yeah, let's just go into Pittsburgh and let's drop back a 38-year-old man who can't move and let's just take the loss. Ah, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Um, trying to think of other things with the Jets that I haven't talked about. Oh, another point on Joe Flacco. So we have 
in the last two years, and I'm going to check this stat on my computer real quick because I remember that Brees Hall was a early second round pick this year. Michael Carter must have been a I want to say he was a fourth rounder. Something tells me he was a fourth rounder out of North Carolina, but I'm going to check that. And of course, this website doesn't have that. That's nice. So you spend a high draft capital pick on a running back this year after you already have Michael Carter and the Jets. What do they do? We have dropped back Joe Flacco 50 times in two out of the three games we've played. Game number one, Joe Flacco drops back 59 times. We run the ball 16 times. For 83 yards, that's pretty good in the NFL. Like, And that's with, for most of the game, we're automatically dropping back Flacco. Like, There's no potential of the run. We didn't, I, I just feel like we're not using these young guys that we, are we spent draft capital on it's like spending we're spending money on these people folks and they look good and we're not running the ball it makes no sense to me in game number two joe flacco drops back 44 times and before you know when we were down 13 without the ball under two minutes um the splits were 33 pass attempts to let's see 14 rushes between Brees Hall and Michael Carter, 73 yards. Two end arounds to Braxton Berrios went for 22 yards total. And two end arounds to Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore went backwards for eight yards. So almost 100 rushing yards um, on a mere 17 carries. 33 to 17, folks. 33, uh, 18. 33 to 18. Joe Flacco is 38 years old with not that good of a defense because the pass rush can't get in there. And we're just going to, what? First of all, you're putting Joe Flacco in danger by putting him out there because he's not good. And he shouldn't be dropping back in the NFL at all, but let alone that he's dropped back nearly 150 times. 150 in three games? Come on, guys. It's not. It just doesn't make sense to me. But I just got very angry when I saw on SNY after the game that two former Jets, like you put, how are you going to look at some of these older guys too? Like CJ Mosley, who's supposed to be your captain on defense. How are you going to look at him and be like, you know what, CJ, let's see how many tackles he had in this game. Cause I have the Brock, I have the Browns box score open. CJ Mosley goes for four tackles and three assisted tackles. Quan Alexander, six tackles. LaMarcus Joyner, six tackles. So right there, what? That's three veterans. Then you count in DJ Reed, who they signed. Those guys are putting their bodies on the line. They signed here to win. You know, there's some videos of CJ Mosley getting the guys excited for the Browns off of the One Jets Drive YouTube account, where he's like, listen, we're going to change. Like, we're going to change this. We're not going to be a perennial loser. We're not going to be laughed at. We're not. And you're going to follow that up and you're going to support him by being like, you know what, CJ, I know you're putting your body on the line every week, but we're just going to give you an automatic loss and an automatic be on the field for 35 to 40 minutes of the game 
because we're going to put our second best chance to win out there at the quarterback position. To me, especially from players, from people who have played this game, I just, I, I, it's a loser mentality, and that's what we're trying to get away from. So, did I miss anything that happened pre-week three with the New York Jets is the question, and I think the answer is no. I mean, like I said, I want to see the Jets run the ball more. I think that in terms of the four young talent that, you know, playmakers that we've drafted, all four look good with the ball. Why would you not want them to have the ball rather than Joe Flacco? Like, two of them are running backs, so automatically what? If you give each of them 11 carries, that's 22 carries. Then, one, you know, Brees Hall has caught a bunch of passes. Michael Carter has caught a few less. You can get these guys 15 touches each. That's 30 touches right there. Another eight for Garrett Wilson, that's 38. Then Elijah Moore, say six, Corey Davis, five, and a tight end. Like, there's your game right there. Instead, you're just dropping back. Like, it, no one wants to see it. The line can't hold him up. Maybe you're, you know, like I said, Zach Wilson, who knows? Maybe he won't be much better, but at least he can run around. At least that's your future. Like, we are invested in the future. Why are we looking in the past for answers? I don't know. So we get to game three against the Bengals. Everyone's high on the Jets because they've won this one game. The Bengals, the story was the same old story with the Jets D. There's no pass rush. Um, Bengals get a lot of third downs. The, you know, we're letting quarterbacks run around on us. Of, of course, we contained Lamar Jackson to 17 yards, and we'll get to him a little bit later. But so we hold Lamar Jackson in game one to 17, but then Joe Flacco, I mean, Joe Flacco, Joe Burrow's rolling left, like every play, get it, you know, making plays with his arm. Uh, we let Jacoby Brissett get a couple of runs in the Browns game. So to me, I, I think people were just too high on the Jets after that win. And like, we looked good in the first quarter. It was seven to zero after the first drive. Brees Hall drops on third down. Well, probably would have been a touchdown, if not down to the five. Um, ended up in a field goal, and Greg Zerline, thank God, we have a kicker that looks good. Jamar fumbles on the next drive. Like, we're, we're down 7-3 to the Super Bowl runner-ups. I know they're 0-2, but we're down 7-3 after the first quarter with the ball on our side of the field. It cannot end up in a blowout. Um. The Tyler Boyd play to end the first quarter where they call timeout with five seconds left to call this play. Our safety comes up to try to put him out of the game with a big hit. He bounces off it and scores for 57 yards. Can't happen. Quinn and Williams fighting with the defensive line coach on TV. I guess I like that he's fired up, but can't happen. That's loser shit. We are not, we, like C.J. Mosley said against the Browns, we have to change this. The fans can't be more fired up than the team. The coaches can't be more fired up than the team. Like, you have to just play football at some point. You have to get better at this sport. You have to show that we're growing from where we started out with this new regime. And right now, I can't say that we are, unfortunately, based on what I've seen out of the first three games. 
And it's annoying because the offense does look good. Like I said, these four young kids, they look like they could be legit players. It's the first time that you look at the talent and the playmakers on the Jets and you're like, you know what? They can be league average. And that's a start. Like, we can't be looking at the Super Bowl and being like, oh, let's go to the Super Bowl because it's not going to happen this year, unfortunately. Uh, Let's just try to build up, build up, build up. So that was the first half against the Bengals. Like, we got the ball down a couple times, kicked three field goals. Greg Zerline did his job, which was nice. Uh, That play against Tyler Boyd can't happen because that was a tough seven points to give up. Um, And then another big one to start. So you go into the half down 11. The first minute of the third quarter, Trey Hendrickson comes clean off the left edge, barely touched. Joe Flacco loses the ball. And now it's their ball up 11 on their side of the field. If they score, basically the game's over. So the the Jets' defense outside of that drive gave up zero points in the second co- in the second half, and you got and you lost by two touchdowns. Like just unserious shit. So please start Zach Wilson if he's healthy in Week Four. It's going to be tough to beat the Steelers with or without him. To go there, you know, fans screaming and ye- and yelling. I think the Steelers are two and one. I want to say maybe they're one and two, but. Uh, It's a big game for us. If he's ready to go, please just put him in. Also, another Zach Wilson note, um, the way they handled his, like, announcement of the injury was so bad because first it was, oh, he's done for the year. The next day they come out and say he's not done for the year, which all the people saying he was done for the year was speculation. It was not announced by the Jets that he was done for the year. The Jets announced that he might be back for week one and then let it get to Monday of week one and said, we'll make a decision on Wednesday. And then on Wednesday, they said he is going to be out at least three weeks. How does that happen? So the Jets still showing that there are some problems with not only the team on the field, but just everything involved with the team. So we'll see if they get us to buy in at some point during this year to believe that they're going to get better. But right now I'm going to say no. And like I said, it's so annoying because I think with the talent on the offensive side of the ball and the fact that the jets actually got better on defense, despite still having no pass rush at all. It's pretty annoying to not be in any serious football games outside of a one in 2,228 chance against the Browns in the last two minutes of the game in week two. So I'm going to go quickly around the other like week three headlines. Um, There's only, I I have like five here. Then I'm going to do the NFL picks that I have for week four. I'm also going to do college football picks because I feel like I'm a lot better at them. And then we'll go into the MLB. So week three, we had a couple of, I don't want to say upsets, but, there were three that I have at least in my five stories. And I guess the number one, especially as it pertains to the jets is that the dolphins beat the bills in Miami. Um, Game was pretty good. Like I said, I worked on Sunday, so I didn't see a lot of the one o'clock slate. Um, 
but I did watch some of the highlights on YouTube. If you ever miss a game, I highly suggest because really, they do a really good job of telling the story of the game and putting a lot of plays in there. Like these videos are 14, 15 minutes long. So you do see a lot of football action and not a lot of, you know, the penalties and a one-yard run and sack if it's not a big sack. But um, so they beat the Bills. In the fourth quarter, the Bills have the ball on the one-yard line. Josh Allen, had, I, I didn't see first and second down. Third down is an incompletion over the middle. Fourth down, he's hit as he throws. Throw comes up short for a touchdown in the flat. So the ball's at the one-yard line. Miami is so lucky to win this game. So, so, so lucky to win this game. And everyone is going to overreact saying, Miami's so good. Miami this, Miami that. Yeah, they're 3-0. I'm not going to take that away from them. And at the end of the day, your record is... You are what your record says you is. Although that's not English. What your record says you are. But they had a 28-point comeback against the Ravens. And while that is impressive, it's hard to say that they'll do that again. So, And then their long snapper or personal protector blocks the punt from the one-yard line with his butt. And if the ball doesn't go out of the back of the end zone, the Bills win the game because they catch it, and it's a touchdown. So they got lucky there. And then the last play of the game, Isaiah McKenzie just kind of takes one too many cuts and probably two seconds too many to get down. Um, and once the ball was spotted, there was one second left. And by the time that you spike it, the game's over. So they didn't even get the snap off. Josh Allen kind of knew that it was uh, over, but there's going to be a lot of overreactions to that one. I still think the Bills are the best team in the NFL right now. There were a lot of Bills starters out, especially on defense, so I'm pretty impressed that they almost beat the Dolphins in Miami. It's not an easy place to play, and you kind of saw that when the Patriots were really good, that they would go down to Miami every year and have a real tough time. Um, uh, You know, the Jets – they suck, but we go down to Miami every year and lose. Even the year where the Dolphins were 0-7. The Dolphins were 0-7, and, and we went down to Miami and lost by, I think, a touchdown or two. So, tough place to play. Um, Bills showed a great fight with half of their defense out. And now there's going to be an NFLPA investigation because Tua Tagovailoa took a massive hit in the second quarter, appeared to get up and be stumbling around, not really knowing where he was. And he ended up back in the game and obviously winning the game by a score of 21 to 19. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I'm not sure if the case here is that the Dolphins PR incorrectly announced that he was going to be looked at for a head injury when it was actually a back injury or whether they just tried to cover themselves up, or if the broadcast just figured the way that it looked that it was a head injury. I don't know, but the NFLPA will tell us. What I can tell you, obviously I played football um, for the last seven years of my life, eight years of my life, since sophomore year of high school. And uh, I had the pleasure of playing quarterback in these games every every year pretty much except my freshman year of college 
because I was the backup. Um, so I had three years of JV because my senior year, I was at a perennial uh, high school here in Bergen County called Bergen Catholic. And kind of the way the roster shook out, there were two underclassmen above me on the depth chart. Um, one got hurt. So the next had to be the starter, obviously. That left me as the only option for JV as a senior. So um, I can tell you that in all of those years, I have only like gotten hit hard enough once where my head even like somewhat like hurt. Um, it was actually in college on an interception. I was chasing the kid down the sideline. I was pissed off that I threw a pick. And I tried to absolutely light him up. And of course, I'm the quarterback. He's a defensive player. So he lit me up. Um, I've never had a, like, I've never seen it happen either where like someone is like dazed and confused, but like it, watching it back, it doesn't look like he's really like not sure where he is. It just looks like he is very weak. Like his body just gives out from under him. So we'll see what happens there. Like I said, the PA, the NFL PA will know more about this situation than what the broadcast is going to show you so I just hope that this is not a case of putting a concussed player back out there knowingly or not going through the protocol because that'll be you know a whole story within itself so speaking of the Dolphins they came back by um the week before they beat the Bills against this team, the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens look really good. Lamar Jackson is the number one reason behind that. And they're not paying him. And it makes no... I'm not going to say it makes no sense because obviously the whole Cam Newton career arc is not going to help the case of Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson is 25 for the entire year. I think over the next couple of years, you know, up until he's 30, he's going to be able to play like this, where he can run for 100 yards, where he's not getting tackled if he gets out of the pocket. And he has also done it a great job in terms of passing the ball, 10 touchdowns, two picks, 750 passing yards. They should be 3-0, but the Ravens' defense blew it in the fourth uh, in week two to the Dolphins. I'm going to tell you what, folks. This is the MVP of the league. That's my prediction. Obviously, right now, if the year ended after three weeks, he would get it based on the stats. But there's no reason to believe that he is going to stop doing this at any point in the next couple of years. So I don't know why the Ravens wouldn't be looking at like a five-year deal, give him a lot of money. And, you know, when he's at the end of this deal, then you look at, okay, let's see how his athleticism is. Let's see how his arm is. Right now, his arm is really good. Right now, his athleticism is probably number one in the league. I mean, he is fourth in rushing yards behind, obviously, three running backs. And he has 750 passing yards and 10 passing touchdowns in three games. Oh, and did I mention the 243 rushing yards that puts him fourth in the league? Remember when I told you that the Jets were having a tough time with the quarterbacks running? Not Lamar Jackson. Six rushes for 17 yards in that game. So he has done 
two back-to-back 100 rushing yard performances in addition to seven passing touchdowns in games not against the Jets. So not only has he looked really good, he's gotten better as the season has progressed. So Lamar Jackson, MVP, pay the man. On to the next pair of young quarterbacks that I want to talk about. And they matched up this week, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. And the team that you would think would win this game, given that they were also the home team, not only did they not win, they got blown out by 28 points. Um, Jaguars beat the Chargers by a score of 38 to 10. And I think this is going to start putting Brandon Staley on the hot seat. Like, listen, can you lose to the Jaguars at home with, you know, you have Keenan Allen missing and Austin Eckler is like banged up a little bit and Justin Herbert has probably a cracked rib. Yeah, yeah, you can lose that game. But can you lose by 28 points? No, you cannot. So Brandon Staley is going to get on the hot seat because that is supposed to be a playoff team. The Los Angeles Chargers, and they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are now 2-1 and one by 28 points. Another bad loss was the Chiefs to the Indianapolis Colts, who going into the game were 0-2. I'm not sure that for if it was me personally, I actually can say that it would never happen. But on fourth and 11 from the 24, so that is a 41-yard field goal if you attempt it. Um, fourth and 11, by the way, you cannot, and I mean you cannot, and you're up by four in the fourth quarter against a team with zero wins. You cannot throw a fake field goal. And not only can you not throw a fake field goal, at least you got to run one of the routes past the, the stick line. Like he threw a flat route. Fourth and 11, up four. You know what that says about your defense? We got no faith. No faith that they're going to hold up one more time. Maybe they're just trying to, like, there's no need to put an unnecessary dagger in a team that has 13 points in the fourth quarter. So interesting one there. Chiefs have to figure out what's going on with their play calling on special teams, apparently. Um, and now, last but not least, as I kind of transition into the picks, who is excited about seeing Jimmy G in prime time two weeks in a row? I can tell you who's not. It's me. The line. Okay, before I start off with that, I'm going to weekly pick three NFL games. I'm going to tell you in terms of confidence which one I like the best. So I'll go with most confident one, least confident three. I'll also try to pick the Thursday night game just because obviously everyone's paying attention to that one. Um, and then I'm going to pick three college football picks. Please take the Rams money line on Monday night next week. Please do it. Please do it before it moves anywhere else. Right now, the Rams, I know they're going into San Fran. And I know that the Niners as a team really aren't bad at all. Like, they're actually a good team if you take away the fact that the quarterback is not good. Um, somehow, the Rams on the road against the Niners, as they've looked, are plus money, plus two and a half. So, I would take Rams plus 110. Um, just on account of Jimmy G throws the ball to the other team, and that's a tough way to win football games in the NFL. If your quarterback could on any pass throw the ball to the wrong team, um, 
it's not going to usually work out well for you. So I would take the Rams as my number one confidence pick, plus 110 on the money line. These odds are courtesy of FanDuel Sports. Nobody does it better than FanDuel. Nobody. Um, Seahawks plus six and a half at the Lions. Um, the Lions have blown so many games when they've been leading them in the last like nine games. If you go back to the last half of last year, uh, they've blown a lot of games and they've gotten blown out a lot of times too. In the Dan Campbell era, which started last year, the Lions have covered the six points three times ever. Not covered the spread, have won the game by six or more three times ever in the last, I guess, what is that? 17 games last year and three this year. So 20 games, they have won by six or more three times. It was this year against the Commanders. I think the Commanders suck, and Carson Wentz is their quarterback. Once against the Cardinals in Week uh, week 15 last year, and the Packers in Week 18 when all of the starters were out because they were already in the playoffs. So one team stinks. One team was a playoff team but also stunk. And one team had their starters out looking ahead to the playoffs. I think Geno has looked okay enough to take them plus six. Like, even if the Lions are up 10 in the fourth quarter, what makes you think that they're going to close out that game without giving up at least just a backdoor touchdown, if not the entire lead as a whole, as they did last week to Kirk Cousins? I know that they were in Minnesota, but I'm going to take Seahawks plus six. And obviously, if it somehow goes up to seven, you should probably hammer that. Um, And last but not least, my number – this. This entire board was not as easy as previous weeks so far in the NFL. Um, So I went to London for the Vikings and Saints matchup. Um, The Vikings have injuries to Dalvin Cook. You have shown the way to beat the Vikings is by trying to take Justin Jefferson out of the game. I think that the Saints defensive secondary can do that. And therefore, I'm going to take the Saints money line I know that Jameis Winston has been hurt but I feel like he can win in London against the Vikings and I will take them Um, Thursday night football is going to be the Finns and the Bengals this week this one's a tough one because the Bengals are home and favored by three points and I just don't think they deserve to be favored at all but like I was saying about the Dolphins I think that they've had some lucky wins here Over the last two weeks, I'm just going to take the Dolphins and the points and see where I go with that one. If I was putting that on my list of confidence, the Thursday night pick would be last for what it's worth. So we'll move over to the college game and Saturday. Um, I like three of these games very much. I think in terms of one, two, three, they're all pretty close. At least one and two. Three is more of like a... It's more of a, a, I don't like this coach bet, but sometimes in college football, that's an important thing to think about because coaches are ultimately a big factor in every game, no matter whether you notice it or think that they are, they are. So my number one pick, and of course I typed out when I was 
looking through all of these picks, the team that I want to pick and not who they are playing. So I have to look back for this one game. And also I'll tell you where they are playing the game on in terms of TV. So that way you can, you know, watch it. Kansas Moneyline, I believe that game is against Iowa State at 12 o'clock. Let me just check to make sure I'm not giving you false infos. Let's see. That's top 25. We don't need that. FBS. There are a couple of nice Friday night games, but I did not want to pick any of them. One of them being Washington and UCLA. UCLA is home, three and a half point dogs. Um, why is it hard to find Kansas? Well, Kansas is 4-0. And the reason I have this line is because I watched Iowa State get absolutely throttled by the Baylor quarterback this week. And now Jaden Daniels, the Kansas quarterback, is very similar in play style. I don't want to say that he should be compared to him because I just think that it's not fair to Lamar Jackson to – it's not fair to either player to be compared to Lamar Jackson. Like, Lamar Jackson was the Heisman, his season of being the starter at Louisville. Um, and this kid ultimately has only played four games, but – I just want to tell you guys where what time the game is. I know that Kansas is home, and I want to make sure that I give you the right money line, which I believe was plus 135. Of course, when you search Kansas-Iowa State on Google, it'll bring you basketball, and rightfully so. They were making the jokes last week on game day about how Kansas was about to play Duke and how both of them were looking good, and no, it's not a basketball game. It is a football game. Um, I don't know why this is so hard to find, of course. But anyway, Jaden Daniels, I think he's going to make a decent run at the Heisman. And also shout out to my brother, Vin, because he has not only put me on to this talent to watch every Saturday, but has also pointed out this line is an absolute smelly line. I think that they just are banking on people being like Kansas is 4-0. No, they shouldn't be 4-0. And then betting on Iowa State because they're actually always good at football. But Iowa State just lost to Baylor. Baylor's quarterback is not as good as Daniels. And Kansas is 4-0. So I'm going to roll with Kansas money line at home plus 135. Well, once again, everything via FanDuel. Over 50 in the North Carolina-Virginia Tech game at 330. On the ACC network, if you want to stream it, um, UNC had a bad, bad week against Notre Dame. They gave up 45 points to them. And I don't think they're going to give up 45 points to Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech just gave up 33 in a loss at home um, against West Virginia. And I think Drake May, the UNC quarterback, is better than. JT Daniels, I know that might be a hot take, but Drake May, in terms of arm talent, where he throws the ball, the types of throws he is making, is looking like he could be playing himself into the draft if he's not already being mocked into the draft 
whenever he would be eligible. I'm not even sure what year he is, but I have watched every UNC game. I'm a UNC fan. Um, they have given up a lot of points, and their defense can't stop a nosebleed. I think they'll be able to put up a solid 35, 40 points, maybe even could sniff this total by themselves, depending on how pissed they pissed off they are about the Notre Dame loss. So I will go 50 and the over UNC and Virginia Tech at North Carolina, 3.30 on the ACC network. Last but not least, it is the primetime game on ABC, the 7.30 p.m. slate. NC State plus seven at Clemson. Clemson just beat Wake Forest at Wake Forest in double OT. NC State just beat Texas Tech at home. Texas Tech is a good offense. And to keep them to 14 is a pretty serious, serious thing. I would put Texas Tech's offense in terms of difficulty to play defense against. Like it doesn't matter necessarily who the players are, but like their offensive scheme. I think Texas Tech's offensive scheme would be tougher to play against than Clemson. NC State beat Clemson last year at NC State in overtime. I don't like Dabo Sweeney. It's tough to play two weeks in a row against ranked opponents for Clemson. I don't think DJ Ugalele or however you say his last name is that great of a QB. And Devin Leary is much more of a safer option, especially given the fact that they won last year and it was mostly having to do with winning in the trenches and running the football. I'll take NC State. Right now, I think it's six and a half. I would definitely, very similarly to the Seahawks game in the NFL, hope to get it to seven, but if not, take the plus six and a half. And those are my football picks for this week in football. I hope, I think last week on my like projected picks, um, I might have it in my notes somewhere, but I've been doing these picks now, like with the whole three point system for the entire year. Cause like I said, I've been trying to put out a pod and have not, um, th- these are my notes from last week. I had West Virginia minus one winner over 45 Nevada air force. Now these games were on Thursday and Friday night winner. So two and L going into Saturday. And on Saturday, of course, I didn't do good. So Wake Forest was plus seven, had that one. So three and out. But then UNC lost, Texas minus six. I don't think they covered that. I think they only won by three. And Rutgers plus seven, that was a blowout. And Iowa beat them by like 20 points. So therefore, three and three three last week. Um, NFL, I had... Thursday night, Browns minus five. The line went down to three and a half. They won by 12, one and out. Ravens minus three, two and up. <laughs> Bucks minus one, they lost. And of course, after I was trashing Jimmy G earlier in the episode, who was in my last pick? San Francisco minus one. And my notes were Jimmy G, let's ride. Well, if that's not the most go be great podcast thing you've ever heard, folks, I don't know what it's going to be. Let's move off the gridiron, though, and let's go to my number one love in this world, the sport of baseball. Um, baseball 
who would have thought that we are, are going to be two weeks from the end of the year with this much excitement in New York. You have Aaron Judge looking to break a record. Uh, the Yankees start a series with Toronto in Toronto. Have to figure that since Judge has played the last 48 games straight, that he is going to sit at one point during the next, I think the Yankees have 10 games left because they have three with Toronto. They have three with Baltimore back here in New York. Hopefully we'll go to one of those games. And then they go out to Texas and they have four games there, one of them being a doubleheader. So maybe he sits two out of the last 10 games because he sits once in Toronto. He plays all three games against the against the Orioles in New York and then probably plays three out of four games in Texas, maybe only two out of four. Who knows? I think if he homered a couple of times this week and already had the record and just say that he had 64 or 65 home runs going into the last 10 games, maybe he would only sit in that doubleheader in Texas because they would try to see if he could go up, you know, into the 70 number, but he hasn't homered since last Tuesday in New York against the Pirates. Um, Shout out to my brother, Vincent, once again, he's a big Red Sox fan. And I know he was hoping that the Red Sox could escape the weekend without giving up either 61 or 62. And they didn't give up either. So good job to the Red Sox pitching staff, because not only did they not give it up, they got him out. And listen, he's the best hitter in baseball right now. He's going to get on base, but to keep him off of the board with homers, um, pretty good job, especially for Brian Bayo. I think that's how you say his last name. He's looked really good for the Red Sox since coming up from AAA in the middle of the season. Um, and to get that experience last night on Sunday Night Baseball to face Judge, 50,000 people standing, you know, a little bit of a cold weather. Like, that's the closest thing for a young player to get to the playoffs, you know, in terms of atmosphere and meaning um, than actually being there. So good for him. He's going to be a great pitcher to watch as much as it will suck to see him pitch for the Red Sox over the next few years. So excited about watching his talents Um, to get back to baseball. Um, let's see. Well, I want to talk about K-Rod. I want to talk about the Yankees and the Mets. And I want to just kind of review my baseball predictions from earlier in the year. Um, so I guess I'll start with that. My playoffs in the AL and the NL were as follows. White Sox, number one seed. Rays, number two. Astros hosting the Angels in the wild card. Yankees hosting the Blue Jays in the wild card. So obviously a lot to, to not be happy with there. Um, I should have seen it coming that Tony La Russa just had lost the, the clubhouse of the White Sox in the middle of last year with a bunch of the stuff that he did. And then early on, it was also very clear this year that it was the same story. Um, he went away from the White Sox with, I think it was health concerns, later in like late in the season I think it was late August maybe early September and he wanted to come back and the team didn't want him to come back so have to figure he'll be fired and then 
never to be seen in a dugout again. Obviously, an all-time great, but not in 2022. The Rays, they had a lot of injuries. They're still going to be in the playoffs, um, but they are not the AL East winner. The Yankees are, so I'm glad I got that one wrong. Astros, I, I just underestimated this team for some reason. Not smart. Jays, I have them right in their spot. I think they are supposed to be um, away in the wild card. I guess they would be playing because right now it's the Astros, number one, the Yankees, number two. Cleveland is the other division winner, so they're number three. And I think the Rays are in front of the Jays. So it'll be a Rays-Jays uh, wild card instead of Yanks-Jays. Honestly, good for all teams involved. Um, and the Angels, I had hopes for Shohei and Mike Trout to be playing in two weekends, and they are not because their team sucks. Um, so that's the AL for you. I had, in terms of my winners, none of them are going to win. AL MVP, Shohei, lost to Judge for sure. Cy Young, Garrett Cole. Well, he stinks. He gave up 30 home runs this year, and that should be fun for the Yankees to watch in game one of the ALDS in about two weeks' time. Um, and the last, and also I believe it should be Shane McClanahan of the Rays, by the way, having a great year for Tampa. Rookie of the year, I had Jeremy Pena. Honestly, couldn't tell you what stats he has. Um, I'm going to guess that it's Julio Rodriguez. I don't know what stats he has either but I know that he has the Mariner or is a big reason that the Mariners are in the wild card. Not sure if they will be away or home. I'm pretty sure that they are not the top wild card team. So that would mean they are away in the wild card series, either against whoever comes in first or the guardians. Um, let's see. Let's see. Manager of the year in the AL was TLR. Uh, once again, he lost it, and now he will never be seen again. Um, and then in the NL, to go pretty quick, I had Dodgers with 108 wins. I'm pretty sure that they will either get that or pass it. I had the Braves second. I had the Cardinals third. Giants, Phillies, Padres. So, obviously, I did not believe in the Mets. Um, the Mets have been pretty good, and this will be a good transition to talk about them in a second. Um, and one of my concerns with the Mets, actually, from my preseason sheet, which this was about, well, the top of the episode, which was Go Be Great Episode 7, had to do with UNC's loss in the national championship. So that must be April 5th or so. Um, I had the Mets' problems being that they didn't have a bullpen that could win games that they, not that they couldn't win games, that they blew a lot of games and that their lineup should be good, but something always happens with the Mets. And I was wrong. And the reason I was wrong is one, Edwin Diaz is the best, not this season over the last two seasons, at least, you know, since that one year where he was bad, He's been really good. So Edwin Diaz, the best closer in baseball. Not only is he the best closer in baseball, the Mets figured out how to make 
Baseball Cool with a big production of his walkout song Narco by Timmy Trumpet. Um, and they actually had Timmy Trumpet at a game in late August, which is pretty cool. Um, and I also had another thing being first half Taiwan Walker. I'm pretty sure he's had a very good year. So Taiwan Walker put together a good season for once, full entire season for once. Good for him. Um, and Buck Showalter changed the part about should be good, but something always happens with the Mets because he kept the main thing, the main thing. He wants to win. He instilled in the Mets clubhouse, which I'm not saying that they didn't have this mentality before, but he made sure that it was drilled into them that winning is the most important thing and that we have to do what we can to win, not what we can to get better individually. And also seeming, you know, you usually see these drama-filled stories with the Mets at some point during the year, just dumb stuff happening to them. None of that happened this year. So they are in a really good shape. Um, to get back to, you know, the last couple of days of the MLB season, which would be either the championship series or the world series. So we'll see how far they get. Now they play Atlanta in Atlanta on Friday. They are one and a half games ahead of the Braves in the wild card, excuse me, in the NL East. Now, whatever team doesn't win the division will be home against whoever comes in that second wild card spot, which I guess right now, and I don't have the MLB standings up, but from my recollection of what it looks like, it should be the Philadelphia Phillies, which I mean, Jesus, talk about a tough, tough way to, to finish up the year. First of all, nine games against the division for the Mets, eight games against the division for the Braves. It's the other way around. Nine games for the Braves, eight games for the Mets. It obviously playing the Marlins and the Nationals, not really a problem. But you could lose one of those games. Like, it's Major League Baseball. It happens. You don't win every game. You don't lose every game either, but you don't win every game. And if you end up, somehow when both of these teams could end up with a hundred wins uh, or more, you know, or more um, just a tough way to have such a great season, win a hundred games for either of these teams. Like the Mets have been so consistent. The Braves didn't start out good. And then since, you know, probably June 1st, probably the best team in baseball for one of these teams to not to have to go into a wild card three game series against the Philadelphia Phillies, who have had a great second half since firing Girardi. And I, that's just a really tough, tough uh, way to end the year. So the Mets do have the advantage in terms of when they play the Braves because the Braves have an injury to Spencer Strider. They're not sure that he will start over the weekend against the Mets after he was skipped from his start. Um, against the Phillies this weekend. This is all courtesy of AmazingAvenue.com, which I'm guessing is a Mets fan-like website. Um, meanwhile, the Mets will have Bassett, DeGrom, and Scherzer lined up, and they have two days off during the week, 
which means that they could rearrange their rotation to put DeGrom Scherzer back to back to begin the year, uh, to begin the series. That would also, you know, you probably want them to pitch earlier than later because then they pitch one more time against um, one of them pitches one more time against the nationals, which is who they finish up against. And then the other just waits for game one. I don't know who you would start game one of an NLDS DeGrom or Scherzer, probably Scherzer, but either way, I mean, holy shit, that's going to be a really tough team to beat in a five game series. That's for sure. Um, so we'll see what happens with them. Uh, Starling Marte is hurt. He is due back at the beginning of the brave series on Friday. Also, another interesting thing about this series is there's supposed to be a hurricane hitting land in the southeastern America area, like Florida, Georgia. So we'll see if these games even get played or if they have to get moved or, you know, if they have to get moved because they can't not play them. If they have to get moved, like then the whole postseason schedule has to get rearranged. So we will see what happens there. It could be very interesting. Um, before I get into the Yankees specifically, because like the Jets, I'll probably start yelling. Um, last night, Alex Rodriguez and Michael Kay had Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds on their broadcast. It was the last one of the year because next Sunday is the last Sunday of the regular season. And usually that is the last day of the season as a whole. And then everybody plays at one o'clock or four o'clock, whatever. But this year, that's not the case. So I'm not sure why there's no Sunday night baseball next week with K-Rod, but there's not. So this was the last one. They had Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens on, and they talked a lot with Barry Bonds specifically about his thoughts on modern day baseball. And it was just such a treat to hear him speak. I feel like we never get to hear him speak since he's been out of the league and obviously no one wants the writers don't didn't want him in the hall of fame as his 10 year um, chance ran out, but there have been new committees with the hall of fame that have let other players in. I can't imagine that they don't let bonds in after, you know, in the last 10 years, there's been a lot of a different conversation on steroids and that era of baseball. Um, and it's not like he just hit home runs. Like, he still hit for average. So I still think he deserves to go. I think McGuire, Sosa, Rodriguez, Clemens, I think they all deserve to be in the Hall of Fame because you can't tell the story of baseball and especially baseball where it is today without those five players being involved. Um, it was just awesome to hear him talk about, just like I said, baseball in general his thoughts on the whole world series, uh, world series, his thoughts on Aaron judge potentially breaking the records, his thoughts on the launch angle. It was just awesome. So if you can find that on YouTube, I would go find that because that was a lot of cool stuff from someone you don't usually get to hear from. Um, so I'm going to round it out with the Yankees. It's been a crazy season. Um, the first 90 games, the Yankees were the World Series champions. Like, you know, Twitter crowned them. It's over. We're the best team ever. We're 
looking ahead to 100 whatever wins the 1998 Yankees ended up with like we people were talking about like 98 uh world series over judge not even judge because his hot streak his real hot streak has been the second half of the season but uh i mean it's just been a big roller coaster so the last time i spoken to you was the the trade deadline hadn't even completed yet the yankees had just traded for andrew benintendi and there was potentially more moves coming um at the trade deadline the Yankees got rid of Jordan Montgomery and they got Harrison Bader for him, a move that at the time seemed really bad and throughout the season has still seemed pretty bad. But Harrison Bader just got back from plantar fasciitis this week and he has made an immediate impact on the Yankees so far. A couple of hits, a couple of RBIs, a good defensive center field. And it's really good because it put Judge back in right for the playoffs. Um, which I think the Yankees would probably rather have that than him in center. Um, John Carlos Stanton missed time with injury. Matt Carpenter broke his foot. He's still not back. Ben Intendi injured himself. He's not back. I don't know if they had traded Joey Gallo yet, but Joey Gallo's on the Dodgers now. Um, Glaber Torres was rumored to be moved to the Marlins for Pablo Lopez. And then he went on the coldest streak of his entire career just to follow it up by the hottest streak of his entire career. So who knows what type of Glaber Torres we're going to get in the playoffs. I hope it's this one, obviously. I mean, the Yankees are fun when Glaber Torres is good. Like Glaber Torres is good right now. The Yankees have won seven straight. I don't think there is any... There is no, there's nothing you could tell me that says that's not a big reason why. Like, he is that hot. If you go back at his last 15 games, he might be hitting 400. He might be hitting 500. That's how hot he is. I mean, he got his average back up to 250, and his OPS is close to eight again after it dipped below seven at some point during August. Um, I don't know his OPS is seven five, but it was below seven. Um, he's done a lot of a better job at second base than he did at shortstop last year. So good for Glaber. Um, let's see, going around the diamond, shortstop IKF. I mean, it just seems like he's going to be the starter, so I gotta live with it. Questions on defense for sure. Offense in terms of average, more than fine, but. Uh, not going to hit for extra bases. Definitely not. Um, third base, Donaldson has been better. I mean, I don't want him to play in the playoffs, but it just seems like that's what we're going to deal with. I mean, they have him batting fourth right now over Stan, so that doesn't tell me that he's on the hot seat of not playing in the playoffs. And then left field is a pretty big question. Obviously, Trevino will start in the playoffs, not Higgy. Um, unless he has like retarded stats against, uh, you know, a left-handed pitcher and then also Trevino's hurt or whatever, who knows, but I don't envision Higgy getting many at bats or innings behind the plate in the playoffs. Rizzo was out with injury and came back. LeMahieu is out with injury 
and he's coming back. So we'll see how, like, I just don't know if everyone's healthy right now, which obviously they're not, but let's just say that everyone gets healthy in the next two weeks. I don't know what your playoff roster and lineup really looks like because when the moves were made before uh, Ben Intendi was first, then Frankie Monta. So in between there, I think I had the lineup as like Stanton and Wright. And obviously that's not going to happen because he has not played the field since he came back off the IL. Um, and I have LeMayu in the field and Donaldson on the bench and I, Donaldson has been playing okay and LeMayu's been out. I think they might not have DJ LeMayu in the lineup and I don't know if I agree with it for the playoffs. I think he's, you've invested too much money in him to not play in the playoffs. He's also like one of the best hitters of our generation and he's better than Josh Donaldson right now. And I just would be upset to not see him in the playoff lineup, but Someone's going to have to be the odd man out with Giancarlo Stanton um, being just a DH. And this was kind of a problem we saw in 2021 earlier in the year when Stan was just in the DH. It kind of didn't give as many people a chance to get in there. And we'll see how the Yankees deal with that going down the stretch. Um, left field, I don't think Ben Intendi is going to make it back for the playoffs. So I think. Oswaldo Cabrera has played well enough to be out there as a rookie, a mid-year call-up rookie, something that the Yankees don't do very often. You know, they did it with Aaron Judge and Tyler Austin, but in 2016, the Yankees weren't making the playoffs. So it was okay. You bring up Judge, you bring up Austin, you find out what you've got. Of course, Judge ends up going for 52 the next year. Um. The Yankees don't do this type of stuff. They bring up uh, Cabrera because they're originally they bring up Cabrera because people are saying, get IKF out of the lineup. He sucks. He sucks. He sucks. Cabrera comes. I think he plays one game in the infield. All of a sudden he's the right fielder. His first inning as a right fielder in the majors after having less than 10 games in the outfield in his entire career in the minor leagues he robs a home run on the first pitch this kid is special uh listen he hasn't played like a transcendent talent or anything like that he's just been good but there's something about having good energy in baseball like there's something about uh being able to do stuff like that like there's not that many players in the majors Or you can say, all right, this guy has played his entire minor league career across three positions in the infield, four if you count first base, but it didn't seem like he had many there either. Let's just put him in the corner outfield and let's see what happens. And then he starts making plays and he has a bullet arm and he now he's hitting too. So I think he should bat ninth and be be in the or bat eighth, whatever, and IKF ninth or who knows what the bottom of the lineup will look like. But I think he's earned a spot in the lineup if Ben Intendi's not back and it doesn't look like he will be and Stan can't play the field. So in terms of the pitching staff, I feel like they're the only ones I haven't gotten to and I'm saving Judge for last on purpose. Um, Frankie Montas just got hurt. 
he's not going to return to the rotation this season in the playoffs could be utilized as a opener or reliever. So a trade that we were looking to get a number three starter out of in the playoffs ends up being an opener or a reliever. That's not good. Uh, Clay Holmes has not been good. Chapman just came back from injury. He's been in and out twice, I think, since the last time I've spoken to you. There was a stretch in there between the injuries where he was really good, but then he got infected from a tattoo. I mean, this Yankee team has had everything this year, folks. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if you had to tell me right now, pick the World Series winner, I'm picking the Dodgers. I'm sorry. I like the Mets. I like the Braves. That Dodgers lineup is something special. They also have uh, Walker Bueller, really good. Clayton Kershaw, really good. Tony Gonsolin had a good year. Julio Urias had a good year. And our, both of them are good pitchers anyway, but having great seasons. Uh, I, I had them at 108 wins preseason for a reason. Um, but I just don't think that the Yankees are good enough. I really don't. They're good. They are really good, actually. But in terms of the World Series, based on the pitching that we have seen recently, I know they're on a seven-game winning streak right now, but that's the Pirates and the Red Sox um, and one game against the Brewers. It's all on Aaron Judge. I feel like in the playoffs, who knows what's going to happen with Glaber. Hopefully he stays hot, like I said. Donaldson overall, yes, has been hot, but not a good year. Stan, do we get 2021 end of the year Stan and 2020 playoff Stan, or do we get bag of rocks, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout? I don't, I don't know. I mean, we'll see, like I said. Um, I'm not as worried about the lineup as I am about the pitching staff. Nestor's looked really good. Garrett Cole's been good, but he gives up too many home runs and also has never pitched in the cold well before. Like his only cold pitching matchup ever in his career is last year at Fenway, and they lose, obviously, and he gives up a couple of homers. Um, Houston, they were indoors. Pirates, he didn't make the playoffs. And I don't remember if Garrett Cole pitched at Yankee Stadium as a member of the Astros in 2018. But if he did, he was using spider attack then, and I don't want to bring it back up, but, like, that's a huge, huge advantage when you're not allowed to have any sticky stuff on your hand now. So we'll see how he reacts to pitching in cold weather and that environment. Nestor, I'm not worried about. The bullpen, I am. I mean, we got a couple of good pieces in these guys. Efros from the Cubs. Um, you know, Wandy's been good, but he went on the IL. They reinstated Britain. We'll see how he looks. Uh, it's just a lot of question marks. It's a lot of question marks for a team that's good and and going to win the division no matter what with two weeks left to go. Uh, and for that reason, of course, I'll be excited if they, you know, however far they get, no matter what happens. I'll always root for the Yankees. Don't get me wrong. 
But if you had to ask me with a serious tone, a serious question right now, do the Yankees win the World Series? I say no. I say right now they're supposed to play whoever. Uh, I actually don't know how it works for the, for the DS. I'm guessing that they would play whoever has the better record out of the two and the or the better seed out of the two and the Astros play the other. I'm not really sure about that, but I think they will be able to beat that team because I think if it's the Rays, the Jays, the Guardians, or I actually don't like playing Seattle, but if it's one of those three teams, I feel like they can beat them. Seattle, I mean, not getting Luis Castillo is going to hurt so bad when you look back at this year even if they win somehow win the World Series, but especially if you go into the ALDS and he comes to Yankee Stadium in two weeks' time on a cold October night and he shuts your shit down and Garrett Cole gives up two homers and the Yankees lose 4-2. to two. It's going to look real bad. So I don't want to play the Mariners because we will have a tough time with them. Um the other three, two division teams and the Guardians, who we frequently have success against um, and I, who I just don't think are better than us. Um, but the Mariners, I would be afraid to play. And I don't know who starts game three in a playoff series. Like, do they are they starting Jameson Tallon in the playoffs? Uh, I guess that's what it is, right? Or are they splitting it between him and Hermont? Like, it's scary out here, folks, and that was the whole reason that people didn't want to get rid of Montgomery for Bader was at the time he was slotting in as at least out of the bullpen in the playoffs. But he was also your most reliable arm throughout his stretch of being a Yankee. He got on the team in 2017 with like a three and had, has had a 3-5 ERA as a lefty his entire career. In the meanwhile, Tanaka, that was only two years, and they got rid of him because they thought his arm was done. CC retired. Garrett Cole has only been here uh, two seasons now. Um, Nestor has only broken out this year. And he's been better than Tyone the entire year. He's I mean, Montes has been bad since he's gotten here. I'm trying to think of other pit. Herman missed an entire year. Uh, so the most reliable arm you had, you got rid of. Now, if he was on the roster and obviously having, um, having Bader on the roster is going to be massive because he is going to be the starting center fielder in the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. Um, I just think it's going to look bad the way that the Yankees handled the pitching aspect of things because of how hot of a start they had in the beginning of the year by not getting Castillo and by giving away Montgomery. So I'm going to be done talking about them, and I'm gonna, going to talk about Aaron Judge for like five minutes, and then I'll let you guys go. Um Aaron Judge at the beginning of the year got offered eight years and about $240 million, $30 million a year about, and turned it down. 
And I said at the time I would have given him up to like 36. Aaron Judge's contract per year does not start without the four. I mean, starts with anything less than a four. He has earned himself $40 million contract or better across at least seven seasons, six seasons, whatever they're going to give him, whoever it's going to be. He has made himself so much money in one season. It is unbelievable. It is the best bet that anyone has ever placed. I mean, he said, you know what? 30 million per year, eight years. I mean, that sets up yourself and your family and your grandkids and their grandkids for forever. Forever. And he's like, you know what? I'm better than that. And I'm going to show you that I'm better than that. And he has 60 home runs right now. And Roger Maris and Roger Maris's family was in New York the whole week. They didn't get to see it. I somehow doubt that they go to Toronto. I just don't think that that's something they would do. Plus, I know the vaccination status in Canada is being lifted next week, but I mean, it's not safe to assume anyone's vaccination status, honestly. So who knows if they'll go? I doubt it. Um, like I said, Judge has three games with Toronto and he's homered a couple of times off of Gosman when he was with Baltimore and Barrios, I think when he was with Minnesota, but maybe it was this year. Not really sure. I'm not sure how many he gets. Uh, you know, the whole way that the schedule works out, like the Yankees will not play for five days or so after Texas because of the ALDS. I mean, because of the wild card. So who knows how many games that they want to play him in? Who knows if this, I don't want to call it a slump because I don't think it's a slump, but the home run slump, I guess that's the only other word. That's the only word I could come up with. Um, who knows if it's getting to him? I mean, I thought it did definitely in New York. I don't think it's going to in Toronto. I'm not saying that the Blue Jays fans won't know what's going on. And they, and honestly, I would think that they will cheer for him if he gets it there. But something – I'm just nervous about the end of the year for, for the Yankees. I think Judge – will get the record probably end up with like 64 65 home runs um you have your four days off until the alds and then that's it the roster will get finalized whoever is healthy is healthy whatever versions of these bipolar yankees we get is what we get and we can't get upset because the front office and the GM controlled this season. Obviously, that's their job. And this is what they wanted to do with it. All we can do is root for the players that we have. Um, hope that, you know, some of the slumps that have hurt a couple of these players are forgotten about and that we get the best version of these players as we head into the, the couple of games that matter here at the end of the year. Um, I'm, honestly, I'll probably say it again at the end of the year, but it's been an honor to watch Aaron. Like, I hope that this isn't the last time 
whichever of, you know, if I go to a regular season game or a playoff game, hopefully. I hope it's not the last time I see Aaron Judge for myself in in a Yankees uniform, like at the stadium. But if it was, what a pleasure it was. Um, I think if you're my age, like you're too young to have seen the Yankees when Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera and like the core four were in their prime. Uh, I think there's only one other more talented player that you have seen in your lifetime as a New York Yankee, if you're my age. And that, that is uh, Alex Rodriguez. Like, you know, we saw older Mo and obviously he was great. And we saw older um, Derek Jeter and obviously he was great and they won a championship, but, for what Aaron judge has done for this generation of baseball players and kids and fans, and especially the Yankee fans, boy, would I be very upset if this man is gone. Um, I've been to countless games this year where those fans in right field, they got a little bit of extra juice because Aaron judge is throwing balls into the stands and the judges chambers and the bleacher creatures and, I think it's just really tough to envision New York Yan- like New York Yankee baseball without this guy being there. I think it's tough to get excited about the Yankees next year if he's not there like I think I speak for many many New Yorkers to say please bring this man back. Uh I don't know how how we had to wait to get to here. I you would think that once the guy has 27 home runs at the all-star break or whatever it was, I think it was 30 that you might want to be like, Oh, Hmm. I know that he said, we're not going to negotiate during the year, but there's three days off here in Los Angeles. Let's just, I don't know. Remember that we are the New York Yankees and put out $40 million a year and see if he takes it. I don't know. might be a good idea. Um, I don't know why there were Yankee fans that agreed with the front off. Like I've never had a take that has looked this good. Like I don't to this day understand how people looked at Aaron judge and what had happened during his career with the New York Yankees and said, he's not worth the money and let's let him go after the year. And then he did this. Uh, To me, it'll never make sense. I will hold that over people I know personally forever. Like, I will always be like, remember when you said, don't sign Aaron Judge? That's your mantle. That's your Maris. That's your Rodriguez, your Jeter. That's yours. You don't remember seeing Derek Jeter in his prime. You don't remember seeing Mariano Rivera in his prime. You saw what? If you're my age or a little bit older, or definitely if you're younger, you saw at about 10 years old, a Yankees team win with a bunch of 30-year-old guys that were now, that was their last win. What have you seen since then? Like all Yankee fans grow up with all these stories. I remember seeing Thurman Munson. I remember seeing Reggie Jackson. I remember seeing Dave Winfield. And you know, if you go back generations, I remember seeing uh, Joe DiMaggio. I remember seeing Mantle. 
Maris. I mean, if obviously not that many people saw Ruth and Gehrig because baseball wasn't as popular at the time, but like this, this is this is the guy. This is it. It's not getting better than this. It's not. He's going to hit 50 home runs in every year for the next five years. He already has 200 career home runs, 225, whatever it is. And like I said, I thought I would get angry yelling about the Yankees, but it's more of a sadness because I know what this season could have been. Obviously, injuries are tough. I don't think the Yankees made the best moves at the trade deadline for this team. They definitely were too confident in what had happened with the bullpen and the starters in the earlier parts of the year. And now not only do you go into the playoffs thinking, hmm, this is going to be tough for them to win the, the – I mean, it's, it's always tough to win the World Series, but to go into the playoffs thinking they can't win the World Series unless – and there's a lot of question marks that have to be, you know, answered – um, and then not only to have to go into the playoffs thinking about that, but also to think like, there's probably more of a chance right now that Aaron judge doesn't come back to New York than that, than that he does. Uh, it's going to be a rough couple weeks for Yankee fans, unfortunately, but like I said, I am hoping I'm wrong. Like I'm hoping that. Garrett Cole figures it out. I'm hoping Nestor Cortez is as good as he was in the regular season that he is in the playoffs. I hope that whoever starts game three is good, whether it be Tyon. I know they said it wasn't going to be Montas, but maybe it will be. Um, Herman, whoever it's going to be. Severino, I hope they do good. I I didn't even mention on the list of injuries that they held Severino out for two months with an injury that was going to take two weeks just because they wanted to only ramp him up for the playoffs. Another interesting move by this team this year. Um, I hope Donaldson's hot. I hope Labor stays hot. I hope Judge is Judge. I hope Stan plays well. If that all of that happens, yeah, maybe you win a World Series. The fact that the last time all of that happened was June 15th, I don't feel too confident in it. And now I have to worry about how, we, how we're going to look next year. So with that, folks, I guess this is a farewell from me to you. Um, I hope you guys have a great week. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, not the best Thursday night football matchup, but it should be an interesting one in terms of gambling and fantasy because those are a bunch of players that are going to be involved in your fantasy team like Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Waddle, Tyreek Hill, like a lot of good talent. Uh, Friday night, I'll be in Connecticut with my friends, which will be nice. We play golf on Saturday and Sunday, I believe, so that'll be pretty cool. Um, Good football matchups. There was the one top 10 matchup that I picked There was another top 25 matchup that I did not. And um, obviously every Saturday there's a million games. So that's always fun. Sunday, like I said, with the schedule, uh, I didn't really like the slate too much, but there are some good games there. And I'm excited to see what the Jets do. 
with the Flacco and Wilson stuff. I, like I said, pray that it's uh, Zach Wilson. He's supposed to be our future. And if he's not, we need to figure that out now so that we can figure out what we're going to do next year. Um, Yankees have three games this weekend in New York. Uh, I know I said I'd hope to be at one, but just based on the way I described my weekend, I guess I won't be. Um, and the Mets on the weekend should be, that should be an absolute brawl. I mean, one and a half games playing for a lot. Like you don't want to have to play those three games. I know they'll be at City Field, but you don't want to have to go into a best of three after having the lead for the entire season and winning a hundred games. You don't deserve that. All you got to do is take care of business with the Braves this weekend. And I know it's going to be tough, but you have your best three pitchers out there. Go get it done. Um, I've never rooted against the Mets and I won't. And if the Yankees are out, I'll definitely root for the Mets. So um, I hope that they can get that done. That would be awesome. A lot of Mets fans are real riders for that team. You know, they haven't made the playoffs in seven years. And here they are looking real good, looking real excited for the playoffs. And they all should be so. And tonight the Giants play. So it should be fun. I will try to make it back next week. Um, hopefully by then Judge breaks the record. Um, there will be a Jets win to recap. And... Maybe I'll tell you that I shot under 100. I don't know if we're playing scramble or stroke play, but I shot about 10 rounds in a row under 100, and my last two or three have been back over. So I'm trying to get back into this double, double digits instead of the triple digits on the links. So that was Go Be Great. By Michael Contento. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I don't even know how long. I'm guessing that it got all the way up to two hours. So I greatly apologize for that. But I had a lot of thoughts on my mind. I'm just going to try to do better with keeping the topics a lot more focused on what I can really speak about because you kind of saw with basketball and I didn't want to bring the NBA up today at all, really. But I don't think I'm going to try to bring it up at all. I know there's one pretty large national story that I'm not going to even mention, but there's a lot that is going to be spoken about with that situation over the next couple of weeks. Maybe I'll talk about that, but in terms of basketball as a whole, I just don't think I can give you guys as good content and thoughts and analysis as I can about football and baseball. So I'm just not going to bother with it. Um, and I think that's all. So I hope you guys have a great week. I hope that New Yorkers as a whole are happy with this week in, in football and baseball as we were a couple of weeks ago and the Mets, Yankees, Jets, and Giants all won on the same day. And I will hopefully be back next week with all of my thoughts, analysis, and more picks here on the Go Be Great podcast. Thank you, guys.